Jesus, I pray that as we focus, fix our eyes on you, that you will speak a word of peace over people today. That you'll speak a word of assurance and calm over our anxious hearts, minds. Even some people in here, the anxiety has been racking their body lately, even. They've been feeling the effects of it. And Lord, I pray that you speak calm to any of us who are existing in a state of panic or fear. God, there's so much to carry in this world. There's so many, not only our personal problems and the things that we are dealing with around us, but yet we look up and try to look out into our world and our society. And and sometimes it just feels like too much, too much. And Lord, the enemy wants to come and sow doubt or guilt or condemnation in our minds. But that's not from you. You are not the one who speaks chaos into our souls. You're the God who comes and speaks and like the winds and the waves that calm bring peace to our souls. So will you say again, peace be still to us. We are not God. You never told us to be God. When things are too much, it's probably because we're we're trying to hold it all on our own when we're never meant to. So, Lord, will you come and remove these heavy burdens off of our hearts and our minds, these things that we feel like are all up to us to solve, control, lead. And instead, where burden, where guilt, where all these things once were, may instead there be trust, just a humble trust in you, the living God. So we breathe in again your peace. We breathe out that anxiety and we thank you that you are the God over all, that you have removed every barrier of sin between us and you, all the guilt, all the condemnation, all gone in Christ, that we can come boldly before you knowing that we meet a Father, a Heavenly Father. So Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We just sing our trust in you. And we invite you to come do whatever you want in our hearts and our minds. And it's in your name and your authority that you've given us that we pray. Amen. 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 You guys may have a seat. Thank you, worship team. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Well, welcome, 1045. All right. 1045, back to two services. I'm seeing some faces I haven't seen over the summer, and I'm thrilled about it. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shelby. By the way, it's Shelby's birthday tomorrow. <laughs> simple, simple plug. I know she loves that I just did that. Okay. All right, well, today um, is our last Sunday in the book of Daniel. Everybody say, aw. Yeah, I know. I know, that's how I feel. We've been going through it all summer. Um, now, when we initially felt that God was leading us to go through this book as a church, 
I looked at the passage we're covering today, and I'm like, okay, we'll do the book, but God's got to help me with this one. Right? This is the last three chapters of Daniel we'll be in today, and it is, let's just say it's quite the finale, all right? Uh, we'll dig into it in a second, but before we do, I want to play a little game with you guys. My family loves to play a game around dinner called Would You Rather? You guys ever heard of that before? Like, like you just come up with ridiculous scenarios and make somebody choose between the two, except you don't actually have to do them. You just try to figure out what you would do. So like, for example, say, would you rather sleep on a bed of nails for a week or be adrift at sea for a month? Right? It's like, just ridiculous things like that. All right? So my would you rather for you guys today is this. Would you rather... God tell you everything that's going to happen in the future ahead of time, both the good and the painful? Or would you rather God just tell you how it ends and leave the middle a surprise? Would you rather know it all? Or would you rather just know how it ends? Now, now I, I, I can see it both ways sometimes. You know, I can see it both ways. Sometimes I don't want to know. Like when, when the airline pilot comes on, and he says, uh, yes, uh, there's going to be some heavy turbulence today. Uh, like, like, I, oftentimes when I'm told there's going to be heavy tur- turbulence on a plane, I get super anxious. When I'm in turbulence, I'm normally good. Like, surprise, right? Boom. But when he tells me, I'm just always anticipating the plane's going to drop. So sometimes I don't want to know. Other times, I do want to know. So before I started college, uh, some advisors told me, hey, the first semester when you start college you're going to feel overwhelmed and lonely. <laughs> well, I'm glad they told me that because when I felt those two things, I'm like, okay, this is normal. I'm not weird. Other times when I'm going through a painful season, I do want to know when this thing's going to be over, right? God, how long, oh Lord, is this going to be continuing? So sometimes I want to know. Sometimes I don't want to know. Well, in the last three chapters of Daniel, God peels back the curtains of time and the spiritual world to show Daniel what's to come. Now, as we look at these last three chapters, I'm going to be covering them at a high level because I can't possibly dig into all the details of them, but I also can't go through chapter 10 without chapter 12. Like, we only understand these when we cover them together, as I hope you'll see in a moment. Um, So we're going to cover high level, but I want to encourage you, while we'll read parts of them today, go home, like, read the whole thing later on your own. And hopefully after we go through it today, it'll make a whole lot more sense to you. But we'll see, um, Daniel's going to cover some some heavy stuff. All of this concerns a revelation from God to Daniel that gets on some some rather weighty things of, of future kings, rival kingdoms, and a great war. That um, as, as we see though, what's interesting is that in chapter 11, many of the things that God shows Daniel came true in the next few hundred years, just like God said. So in chapter 10, we see that God gives Daniel some revelation, but we don't know what it is yet. All we see is that Daniel is left wrecked by it. And then in chapter 11, we do get some of those details of what God showed to Daniel. And frankly, after reading it, I can see why he was a bit wrecked by it. And then, but as God often does, by the time we get to chapter 12, he comes in with this uncommon hope and this comfort, even when all things appear lost. And so with, for us, without even knowing all the future details of things, it's already easy for us just to see what we can see to feel overwhelmed. 
by this world and the suffering and the pain going on around us. We know what it's like to feel helpless, to feel powerless. We know what it's like to actually struggle to, with that hopelessness because sometimes it's just too much. And if you felt that before, then you're going to relate with Daniel, at least here in chapter 10. And while these last three chapters of Daniel do not shy from describing the reality and effects of evil, they also lead us to a lasting hope and a strength to keep going, even when we don't know the future and all appears lost. So for us American 21st century Western readers, the end of Daniel is pretty wild. Kings, angels, revelations, prophecies, but the I want you to see through it all for a second, just to the central focus today, is that even when things appear to be getting worse, not better around us, what does God want us to see and know? And where do we find the strength to hold on to hope and keep being faithful, even when all appears lost? So let's pray, and then we'll dive in. All right? Lord, you know me. And you know that when I looked at these chapters, I was like, do I have to cover this, God? But yet, what I'm, one thing I realized is that all of this is your word. And even when it's hard to understand, it's still your word. And when we come to it with an open heart, you still reveal to us what it is that you want us to see. And so I thank you that you are faithful like that. And so may I be faithful to speak what's in your word. And may you, by the power of your spirit, transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I say anything, I just want to start by saying, if, if you struggle with this feeling of a real unease or concern about our world, you're not crazy. All right, if, if you, you feel overwhelmed at times by all the realities of this world and things going around, you're not crazy. In Daniel 10, we see that God shows Daniel a whole lot of things. But I want you to notice how Daniel responds to that. All right, so let's start by reading Daniel chapter 10, just the first three verses. And it says, Daniel 10 verse 1, that in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that's roughly 536, 535 B.C., a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So God showed Daniel something, and it left him wrecked. And we see that like, God gives all of us different abilities and, and gifts and talents, right? But, and from the very beginning of this book, it said that God gave Daniel the unique ability to understand and interpret dreams, visions, and the various ways that God communicates with people in that day. But as far as we know... This is the last revelation that God gave to Daniel because it's the last one we have. And what was it about? Did you catch it? A great war, it says. And we read chapter 11, it's like a deeply disturbing one at that. And Daniel was a man who deeply loved God and because of that loved God's people. And without getting into the details just yet, God shows him that there are things to come that mean it's going to get worse for his people before it gets better. And after, the, all, after hearing all of that, how does Daniel respond? It says that he's so deeply affected that he begins to mourn for three weeks over it. 
Later it says that he's overcome with anguish. Later in the chapter, he can't, he can't even speak or walk until this heavenly being touches him three times, it says, and restores his strength. And without reading the details of the revelation just yet, my first reaction is like, all right, is Daniel just being overly dramatic <laughs> or appropriate? Or appropriate? Well, here's one thing I do know. That as God transforms us to love like him, which he's always working to do, we will begin to feel the pain he feels. God is a God of love, and we know that when you love somebody and they're going through something hard, how do you feel? You feel the pain of that. So how much more must God, who is love, feel pain when those he loves are going through suffering, pain, difficulty? And when we, as his kids, learn to love like our Father, automatically, we could, we won't, don't be surprised if you begin to feel some of the pain of his heart too. And we don't even need to look to know the future events to see the reality and the effects of sin, pain, and brokenness in this world. It's already in front of us. Now granted, when we look around the world, sometimes the news cycle likes to hype up events. But oftentimes, it does the opposite. There's real human suffering going on in the world that's turned into quick, cold clips, right? And I try to get my news from a variety of sources every day. And one of those sources, though, is I get a daily text with about seven headlines that I just normally zip right through. But I, this week, there was one that caught me. Because it, the text always starts with, good morning. Well, that's nice. And then, and then there was one day this week where it says, talking about there's corruption in Ukraine, North Korean leaders meeting with Russia, impeaching a government official in Texas, sentencing members of the Capitol riot, the Burning Man Festival is going on. Oh yeah, COVID is back in some places. Have a great day. <laughs> but like that's every day, is it not? Like that's an average day in the news. And normally I read that, I compartmentalize it. Well, like we'll see if anything has to do with me. And if it doesn't, no sweat, moving on. But there's something about that day where all of a sudden I just felt this sadness. It's like, oh, and I'm not even really sure what it was about. It was just like this sadness hit me. And it hit me too. It's like, I can't possibly digest all of this. Like this is too much. Plus, I got my own personal problems to deal with. Emotional, relational, psychological, you name it. And when we start to feel just overwhelmed by the reality of evil and pain around us, sometimes the easiest thing to do is just, one, compartmentalize, like I often do. Two, we might panic. Three, just check out. Just act like we don't know about any of it. Because how else do we cope than one, right? If something doesn't directly affect me, no sweat. Two, just get caught up in the tornado of fear and anger going on around the world. Three, just put my earbuds in and in my own world. But as I look at those things, I, what God showed me this week is, well, those are often the ways that I handle things. What's missing in that is God's heart. And his perspective. Now, to be clear, we, we cannot carry everything. Like, we were never meant to. That's God's job, not ours. But yet we do at times still 
know that God shares aspects, even just part of his heart with us. Just as he did with Daniel. So my question to you is, is where has God shared his heart with you? Where do you feel just a piece of his compassion, his love for those things that God loves? Maybe for you, it's like you feel an ache for those who are far from God. Maybe for you, it's kids affected by foster care. Maybe for you, it's those struggling with addiction. Or maybe it's, it's pe- people who have been through something that you've experienced personally. Like you can't help but have your heart go out to them. Or, or, or many, many other things. But how has God given you his eyes and his heart for this world? What's the burden that you feel upon you? And then what do we do with that? I say that only God can give us the strength to carry the burdens from his heart. I can't emphasize this enough because this is one of those personal journeys for me. Because just as the heavenly beings had to give Daniel the strength to stand in Daniel 10, we cannot carry the burdens of God's compassion with our strength alone. When we try to, that's why we end up just compartmentalizing or giving into fear or checking out. It's because we've grown tired of trying to carry these things on our own or just thinking that, that it's our job to somehow fix it. But the burdens of God's heart are too heavy for us to carry in our own strength. Trust me, I've tried and nearly burned out doing so. We do not have the ability. But when we do see as God sees And when we do feel as God feels, that's not the divine cue to immediately go get busy for God. It's an invitation to first go to God. To bring these things to him in prayer. And then say, well, God, what's my assignment? What do you want me to do? Just give me the next step. Because when we see how broken this world can be, it's an invitation to move closer to our Father. Bring Him. Get, hand these things to Him in prayer and then listen for His leading. And so now as we move to chapter 11, this is when now we start to read the details of this paralyzing vision. But even still, I want you to see there's a backdrop of hope. But even when God lays out the the reality and helps us to see the effects of sin, death, and misery in this world, what's still the underlying truth? This is something I want you to grip onto this even as we look at the reality of things. Because when all appears under the grip of evil, God is directing history toward redemption. Now, if you're like me, and you have, a, you have a nice pair of Bible nerd glasses, and you would love for me to get out and dig into all the details of chapter 11, I'm sorry. I, I, have, I, can't, get, I can't dig into all the details. There's just not enough time today. We'll get some of them. But as Martin Luther, the famous German reformer, said of this passage, he said, Daniel concludes the record of his terrifying visions and dreams on a note of joy, pointing to the coming of Christ's eternal reign of glory. 
So whoever wants to study Daniel's vision profitably dare not focus on the details of the visions and the dreams, though, yes, we'll cover some. You should seek comfort in the Savior Jesus Christ whom they portray and the deliverance that he brings from sin and its misery. Amen, everybody. Because we know that no matter what we're about to cover, kings and kingdoms come and go, but there's only one ancient of days. There's only one who was and is and is to come. There's only one Savior. (laughs) All right, so you got that first. All right, hold on to that. Because as we get into Daniel 11... Now, in order to understand what God wants us to see and Daniel to see in Daniel 11, here's another thing we got to understand. Is that just as there's a God working toward redemption, Scripture also makes it clear there is a spiritual enemy of evil working to destroy all that's of God. That what we see in this world, the conflicts and all of that, that ultimately also there is a spiritual reality behind much of what's going on. As the Apostle Paul reminds us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against that people group and that people group. Our ultimate struggle is not against Republicans and Democrats. Our ultimate struggle is not against that nation and that nation, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms refer to that realm beyond what we can see. And that's what what God wants to show Daniel first. And that in Daniel 10, 20, the angelic messenger tells Daniel about, before he talks about any of the physical stuff he can see, about a heavenly battle between beings called the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. Now, these are likely names, because this is an angel speaking to him. These are likely names of spiritual forces of evil at work over these geographical areas. So before we get to what's written in our history books, we, God gives Daniel a glimpse behind the curtain of heaven to show the spiritual war underneath it all. You guys tracking with me so far? All right. And then, with stunning accuracy, most of Daniel 11 foretells the earthly events to come all around and within Daniel's home of Israel over the next 400 years between the Persian, Greek, and then Roman empires. Like again, if I had time, and it would be so fun, we could walk through every single detail and see how it ultimately found its fulfillment from Persians to Alexander the Great. And when Alexander the Great split into four kingdoms, and then there was the the Seleucids in the north and the Ptolemies in the south, and then Rome came, right? Like we could talk about all of that. But if you really, you like that kind of thing, then I want to encourage you, pick up a commentary on Daniel by a guy named Tremper Longman III, if you can remember that. Tremper Longman III, and you can dig into all those details as much as you want. But, big picture, amidst all the chaos in the world, what this is training us to do is to be able to discern what's of God and what's not. Because when we look out at this world, it's not always so easy to know that just what's the good side and what's the bad side. When human conflict begins, sometimes it's not always about just good versus evil. Because if you look at Daniel 11, there's a lot of conflict going on, but there's no godly kings or kingdoms at work in the midst of it. Because Satan doesn't care who he works through. He works through both sides of the fight and the war oftentimes, doesn't he? 
He just wants destruction. He doesn't care who wins. So as we're trying to discern what's of God and what's not, how can we do that? Well, if you remember, Jesus said, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. And we see that across all the kingdoms in Daniel 11, there is a commonality in all of them. And then we see the same poisonous fruit of the enemy at work through all of them. And those are pride, that is exalting of self over God, deception, lust for power, violence, oppression. These are all the poison fruit from the evil one through people. And the reason why we need to see that is because if we're going to be discerning in our time, then we need to learn to recognize what's of God and what's not so that we're not swept in to the hype of some human conflict when God's not in it. You guys with me? This is a sermon series. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to throw all of this into one sermon. But this is also important that we are prepared. Because Scripture also says that as evil fights to break down God's world, do not be surprised when events get worse before they get better. Because many in our world believe that the ultimate trajectory of our future is toward some sort of utopia. But not a utopia brought about by the return of Christ, but a utopia brought about by human technology, ingenuity, and sheer goodness. That ultimately history is headed to this moment when we all just hold hands and sing kumbaya and there'll be peace and love and unity. And that sounds great, but scripture gives us a very different idea of where future is headed. That if you look at Daniel 11, or you look at Jesus' words in Matthew 23 and 24, or if you really try to unpack Jesus' revelation to John in the book of Revelation, we read a different trajectory. Since we're focusing on these chapters, just looking at Daniel 11, what's interesting to me, and, and this is why these passages can often get confusing, because if you read chapter 11 all the way up to verse 35, it's pretty clear that a lot of this is talking about thing, events that happened in our past, but in Daniel's future. But then once we get to verse 36, it, it seems as if now he's talking about events that are in our future. When he says that there will be a king who will come to do as he pleases, that he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the God of God, that he will be successful until, catch this, the time of wrath is completed. Now the time of wrath is a phrase that is often used to refer to the final judgment of God. Huh, that's interesting. And if we get to chapter 12, which is covering what happens in the very end, it says right before the end, it says there will be a time of distress such as had not happened from the beginning of the nations. Now, if you're like me, that, that freaks me out a little bit, just reading that. But... But, while we don't have time to dig into the who, the what, the how, when's going to happen, who's going to do this, why is this going to happen, blah, 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 right? We don't have time to get into all of that. Why is God telling us this? So that, one, we're not surprised, so that we are prepared, and we are not afraid when things begin to appear worse at first, not better. 
And that we know that despite what, what evil is fighting to do around us, despite what we're seeing, that there is only one God over human history. That God's enemy, this is not a parallel thing here, right? Like, like God, there's only one God over history who is orchestrating all things toward his ends. Which is exactly, he just laid out what happened after Daniel. So we can trust that he's the same God who's orchestrating history now. And while I know that brings comfort to some of us, for others of us, that might be a bit hard to hear. Because especially if you're going through really hard times right now, if you're in the midst of pain or, or circumstances are happening, like you're wondering, okay, if God is the God of history, then why is he allowing this to happen to me? Or if God is the God of history, how long, oh Lord? That because when the, when the misery reaches our doorstep, what is our hope? When we're actually feeling the effects of brokenness of this world, what do we have to hold on to? Well, this. That we don't know all the future holds, but we do know our God has already won the victory. And I, I know that like Daniel, if God showed me everything was going to happen in the future, there's no way I could handle it. But he has given us the end of the story. And this is the end. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. It says... At that time, Michael, Michael's an archangel. You can study that on your own. <laughs> the, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, that is the book of life, will be delivered. The multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there searching for knowledge, trying to find answers to why these things are happening. But God said, but I have told you and you can trust my word to be true. What he just told Daniel, he says, this is the end of the story. This is how it all ends. And one of the greatest comforts in the middle of pain is knowing what God promised in the end. Now, I know for some people, they think, well, if God has already predetermined the future, then does that make my choices meaningless? Does that mean that I'm just a puppet on a string and, and it, he's just moving me however I want? Does it even really matter? Well, here's the thing about Scripture. Does Scripture affirm that God is sovereign over all things, that he's in control? Yes. Let me ask that again. Does Scripture affirm that God is sovereign over all things? Yes. yes. Does Scripture also affirm that, that human responsibility for our own sin and our own choices? Yes. yes. Both are true. But the point of this passage is not to give us an intellectually satisfying answer to a philosophical question. But instead of being a philosophy professor, God's word takes on the tone here of a father who's helping a kid in the midst of pain. And for Daniel and for all of us who belong to him, for those who carry the burdens of his heart, for those who, who you, you feel the pain of sin, death, and evil in this world, what he's saying to you is, I promise, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Okay. 
Remember in college, my sister got in a bad car accident. But I can't tell you the relief when I heard the words, she's going to be okay. And this is how the whole book of Daniel ends. That if you belong to God, and we know that it's through Christ, that no matter what, it's going to be more than okay. Because everyone whose name is found written in the book, that is the book of life, will be delivered. That in the end, (laughs) the only thing that matters is do you belong to Jesus? Have you given the allegiance of your life over to him? And if so, then after you sleep in the dust of the earth, you will awake, it promises, to everlasting life. While others who have rejected Christ sadly, you know, grievously to shame and everlasting contempt. But why are we saying that Christ is the linchpin of it all? Why is Christ the thing that we ultimately put our hope in? It's because it is Christ alone who won the decisive victory over death. Now, we see the conflict in the world, the kings and kingdoms around us, they seek to win victory through violence, through oppression, through, you know, asserting their will. But our king won victory through his own death, that he went down into death as our substitute. And then he rose again with our new life. And when he rose, he broke the back of sin, death, and evil. And by faith in what he has done, we will forever share in his victory and his life. And if Christ rose from the grave, that means he's still alive. And frankly, we can take him at his word. When he says he's coming back to make all things right and to give everlasting life, it's happened. So Satan may still be squirming, but his power has been broken. Evil may still be fighting, but the end has already been spoken because Jesus says it's going to be more than okay because he's already won. Yes. And if the same God over history has already won the victory, so we step forward boldly. And that's exactly how this thing ends. I think the natural question is, in light of all that we've just heard, what now? And that's the last thing God leaves with Daniel and the last thing he leaves with us as we finish this book. As he says to Daniel, as for you, in light of all the things that I've told you, go your way till the end. You will rest And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. In other words, since you know how this ends, Joe, since you know how this ends, Charlie, since you know how this ends, Mike, since you know how this ends, Jen, since you know how this ends, Teresa, go your way. Take the next step. Keep following the way of Jesus. Love one another. Pray for the sick. Share the gospel. Forgive those who hurt you. Work to the best of your ability as unto Christ. Be faithful daily. Don't just tune out what God's trying to show you, but allow his spirit to show you how to, how to carry these things that is in place on your heart with his strength. In other words, because you know how it ends, boldly go the way of Jesus. So personally, I've decided that knowing all the things of the future is a bit overrated. (laughs) I know how I'd answer that situation. But we do know how it ends. 
and we can trust the sovereign God over history has already won the victory, and that's the very reason why we have to step forward boldly. But before we do, we step out of here and we go into our weeks and our routines and our days and, and toward the calling that God has for each of our lives. How do you think God's getting your attention? Do you realize that he has shared his heart with you, but yet you've been trying to carry some of these burdens of compassion in your own strength? Or maybe you were trying to carry a lot of things that he never gave you to carry. Things that were never yours to, to do or to own. You were trying to do. Or perhaps you realize, man, I have been numb. I've been cynical. I've been angry. I've been afraid. But instead, I, I, I want to know something of God's heart. I want to love like he does. If you relate with any of that, whatever it is, I want you to talk to God in this moment and during this final song. Just lay these things before him. Others of you in here, you may have gone to church. You may believe there's a God, but you've never actually given your life to Christ. Scripture tells us that like, even like, no amount of our good deeds can ever be enough to just make us right with God because how can all our good deeds stack against the holiness of God? That the only hope we have of being made right with God is faith in Christ and the grace of God alone. And then when we put our faith in that and from that moment that we are made right with God and we begin a relationship with him. If you've never done that before, Maybe you've done the churchy thing. Maybe you like, believe some things. But if you've never actually surrendered your life to Christ, then I want to give you some words or some expression for, to be able to pray that to God. Again, it's not about my magic words, but it's about authenticity, sincerity of your heart. And so for some people, I find that it helps if I just give some words to be able to help express your own heart to God. And if that's you, I'd like every, everybody in here, let's, let's bow our heads so I'm going to lead us in prayer. But first, if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never received his forgiveness, if you've never begun that relationship with him, then just on your own where you are, I want you to pray these words after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. No good deeds that I do can ever earn the right to be yours. But thank you that you died for me and you rose again that I might be yours. So I believe and receive your forgiveness. Lead me in a relationship with you forever. Amen.